from Captain America Civil War to Thor Ragnarok. This is part three of the Infinity Saga and me on comics and cinema. Hey everybody, and welcome. Hopefully you liked that intro. My cousin Harry suggested it may be a good idea to have a little something-something at the beginning. Uh, we had had some pretty good jokes about it, but hopefully uh, hopefully I can continue doing that on all of my episodes. I'm just going to have to come up with something catchy when I'm doing it. But I'm your host, Alex Klein, and as I just described, this is part three of the Infinity Saga and me. I'm going to be going over everything from Captain America Civil War through Thor Ragnarok. I've broken phase three of of the MCU into two parts because there were 11 movies that came out in that span of time. So we're going to dive right in. So today we're going to be talking about, like I said, Captain America Civil War, along with Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok. Now this was a really interesting time because uh, this is actually when uh, we had seen and, and I had seen the uh, Comic-Con announcement for Phase 3. And any of you who were lucky enough to be there in San Diego, good for you. I was not. I had to uh, watch it secondhand, but I saw the way the crowds reacted, and it was beautiful. The amount of movies and just the sheer scope of everything they announced was so exciting. I was even super excited for the Inhumans movie, even though I, uh, you know, none of that ever ended up happening. Black Bolt's one of my favorite characters, so I was kind of bummed that that movie got canceled and then a terrible TV show came about because of it. But uh, regardless, because besides that, the other movies that were on there all ended up coming out, and uh, some of them got tweaked a little bit, but for the most part, these were some really great movies. And, and we're starting with one of my favorite Marvel movies, which is Captain America Civil War. So this was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo and written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and it came out May 6th of 2016. So this was actually, this is a funny story for those of you here, you know, you're going to get a special look into the uh the the derelict of my youth and uh the, the you'll you'll find out here shortly but essentially uh i used to subscribe to movie pass and in doing so i uh i thought i was a free man scot free no one could touch me i uh, tip, like I would use, I would use my movie pass to uh, to pre-order tickets uh, because uh, for this very reason, obviously, like you know, these big movies are coming out, and and movie pass had no way of pre-ordering tickets. So um, I'll admit I did that, and did I get caught? Absolutely, I got caught. And guess what movie it was that I got caught on? Captain America: Civil War. So it's funny because that's right around the time that I got movie pass. I'd probably had it for about a year. And it was the coolest concept because I went to the movies all the time. And so the fact that you could see as many movies as you wanted, uh, I think it was one, what is it? It was like one movie a day and that, that was it. So there, there were times where I saw like four movies a week and, uh, and I, it was just the coolest thing in the world. And so the app was nice, but then all of a sudden they, uh, and this was, this was way back in the day. So, uh, this was back when you paid, like, I think I paid $30 a month to movie pass, which was w well worth it. And, uh, you know, I would go see whatever, but then there, there was a time when, like I said, we, you know, we would go to see these Marvel premieres and I would get, I would get pre-orders for my family. 
and uh, so that's what I was trying to do in this case. And again, there was to me did not I did not see anything in the rules and conditions that said this. Um, and regardless, you know, like I said, I, I received no warnings about this either. And uh, so it just so happened, you know, like I said, I pre-ordered a couple of these tickets and then um, movie time came around. I think it was maybe like a day or two before the movie. I got an email from MoviePass that was like, your account has been uh, suspended uh, pending further notice for this, 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 and this. And I remember I, I wrote them back the the longest letter. And it was, uh, I always try to write as, as nice, as kind and polite as possible. But, I, but the, the essential bit of the letter was, please tell me why you didn't send any warnings for any of the behavior that I, I exhibited using my past. I understand now that these things I shouldn't have done, but I didn't know that I couldn't do them. And how can I not know if I'm not warned? So maybe the first time that I did it, getting a, a, a notification on my phone saying, hey, you can't do that. If you do that again, you're going to get suspended. That's enough for me as a person. I would have been like, okay, cool. I'm not going to do it ever again. I never got any warning. All I got was my account being canceled. And so at that point, I was actually, I was actually kind of proud of that. It was like a badge of honor. I was like, you know what? MoviePass clearly has the worst customer service and they do, or in this case they did. But, uh, um, so yeah, so I was quiet on the MoviePass front for a long time. And then they, they did that whole revamp of, oh, it's only $10 a month and you can see as many movies. And everyone was like, that's not going to last. And sure enough, it did not last. But I was able to get back on at that time. Yes, I behaved myself the entire time following that. But that's just one of the biggest memories that I have from Captain America Civil War was that whole MoviePass situation. But I ended up getting to see this movie. We, we saw it at uh, the Regal Cinema, the RPX Theater. And uh, it was incredible. Civil War is one of my favorite comic book stories. It's actually the comic book story that got me into collecting comics. So I had read a bunch of comics and books about com like you know the visual dictionaries, that sort of stuff when I was younger. But it wasn't until Captain America Civil or just the Civil War event back in 2005 that um, I actually went to a comic shop for the first time and, and picked up the first issue. I think I picked up like one or two other issues as well, Wolverine and Spider-Man that were tie-ins. And uh, it was just, it was phenomenal. It was incredible. And I loved it. And uh, I and I want to say this too, if any, you know, any of you are listening to this, because I know I do get some feedback, uh, and I know people are listening to this episode. I record on Audacity, and for some reason, my Audacity, the, the recording piece, I'm looking at it right now as I talk, and it's not going above or below a certain section. So like I could scream as loud as I want and it doesn't appear that it's going higher or lower than 0.5 to negative 0.5 on my thing. I don't know what any of this stuff means. I'm just, I just did a how-to to, to do this podcast stuff. So if you guys cannot hear me or the, the, the sound is off or there's just something that is different from the prior times you have heard, this is the first time that I've seen this happen when I'm recording. So if there is something different, please send me a message and let me know. Um, so I can look into it. Otherwise, I'm not going to know. I, I, I'm going to listen to this podcast anyway. I, I listen to most of my podcasts, but um, uh, I don't know if I will be able to tell. So if any of you can tell, you may listen to it before me. Just let me know. Shoot me a message so I can try and figure this out because I certainly don't want – I mean I would hate to be talking for what you know, however long this is going to be and people will be like, I can't hear a thing he's saying. Well, sorry. you know, I'm not a tech wizard, but um, – but yeah, so this move, this this co the comic was so good. For those of you that haven't read uh, Civil War, which is by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven, highly recommend you go check that out. It's on Marvel Unlimited. It's only seven issues, 
and uh, it's incredible. It's uh, the Superhero Registration Act is passed after Nitro, a bad guy, blows up a school and uh, uh, kills a ton of people. And they were trying to be stopped by uh, the new warriors, and so they kind of screwed up. And the government was like, you know what? No, we're gonna, you know, basically superheroes need to register with the government. Or, or they can't be superheroes anymore. And so that was kind of what was taken in this one. What was great, though, about this is there's a sort of lead-up from the other Captain America movies into this. So it's like they didn't, they certainly didn't have to tell the Civil War story, but it made so much sense in the MCU timeline. It made so much sense in the story and was just perfect in that regard. So um, and it was also a great way to introduce a bunch of new characters. So in this in this movie, that's where we get the first appearances of Black Panther, uh, of Spider-Man, of, uh, I'm trying to think if there are any others. I think those are the two big ones. Crossbones, obviously, is a bad guy in the beginning. but um, And then obviously, you know, Baron Zemo is the bad guy. But really the big ones were for sure Black Panther and Spider-Man because people were thinking, oh, you know, they're going to be getting their own movies. Like those movies have been announced. So they're going to premiere in this movie, which is such a brilliant idea because then you can kind of tell like, oh, you get a little bit of background on them. So the next movie, you don't necessarily have to do an origin story, which is great. Um, but yeah, so this this movie is just, as I said, hands down one of the best Marvel movies. I've seen this movie so many times. So I saw it on RPX when it came out. I'm sure I saw it again. I may have seen it three times in theaters when it was at that time. But I watched it again uh, last year during the IMAX re-release. And then it, just a funny, I guess, aside memory is when I was, I was in Texas and uh, I was staying with my cousins and uh, we went there's this place down in plain in plano texas there's a place there called fred's and it's uh it's a um philly cheesesteak place and it's so funny he's got signs above the sauce you don't need to steal the sauce it's you can pay for the sauce it's right here and i've heard rumor that the sauce is basically just like ketchup and and uh, one other thing i don't remember what it is but then he had some sign by the drinks too like don't steal any of my drinks and uh, but they always have a TV up playing a movie. And so like one time we went there and it was, I don't know, trolls or something terrible. Um, no, it was oh my god, it was Ratchet and Clank. I've never even seen that movie. I, I tried to avoid it and I was like no. And so I had to you know watch a couple minutes of it. But the, in this one time a, a year or so ago when I went to Texas, uh, Captain America: Civil War was playing in Fred's, which was a big deal to me. So I you know we ordered our food sat down and I, it was the uh it was the scene where captain america and uh, black panther and bucky are running through the tunnel and uh getting chased after that whole that whole chase scene basically and it was uh it was just fun to see that again it's like that movie just never get gets old to me there's there's little bits of action and little bits that you kind of never like i don't know i just feel like i i watched that movie so many times but each time i watch it there's like a new thing that i love about it and I think that's that's a credit both to the screenwriters and to the directors because it's just a very tight, fast-paced movie that that stops to breathe in just the right spots and has uh, one of the best superhero battles in the entire MCU, which is uh, the Civil War itself, brother against brother. And uh, they did a really good job with that too and, and kind of having it toe the same lines as the comic book. But uh, what I enjoyed the most about it was just how natural it felt. So they pulled in Robert Downey Jr. and got him to reprise his role as Iron Man in this movie. 
and his whole thing was great. Like it, it just made sense. Not only that, but it's like it tied into Bucky, who was basically the main story, I guess, because the whole story essentially is Captain America is just trying to save his friend. He's trying to find Bucky and bring him back, basically. Like he, he was uh, sort of healed. In the last movie, I, I guess Captain America kind of saw him as like, okay, he can be healed. And so now he's trying to find him. Like, okay, I'm going to get him and maybe take him to get some help. But that's the movie. That's essentially what this movie is. But then things start getting in the way. The Superhero Registration Act comes in because from the Sokovia Accords, uh, but also brought on by the explosion in Lagos that Scarlet Witch kind of, you know, uh, screwed up basically. And, uh, so, you know, it's it's a tough situation because, and, and I, I, from the very beginning, I was always, I've always, always, always been Team Cap, never been Team team Iron Man. I think that is the worst thing that anyone can do is register with the government as a superhero so that your superhero identity gets revealed. I mean, the, you see it in the comics. It, it makes zero sense. And, uh, yeah, so, it, I mean, I think it played... A little better overall in the movie than in the comic because the comic kind of ended abruptly and didn't it it didn't land right but the the execution throughout was great and uh so it was great that was great i loved uh black seeing black panther for the first time was amazing that scene where he it, it what was it okay it's the scene where he's chasing after bucky and uh bucky was it i think it was bucky yeah bucky jumps down and like he's got his arm in the side of the building and he's kind of sketching down the building and then lands and runs uh, black panther jumps off the building and cat lands and there's zero sound like when bucky lands it's like a Ugh! but then when he lands it's like a Ugh! like it was nothing and you're like oh he is he is limber like it was very panther like because then captain america jumps and makes the loudest sound and has to do a barrel roll to catch himself. And it's just, I don't know, I thought it was such a cool way in a very brief scene to show how not only how cool Black Panther is, but how powerful he is. Like, he is he is limber, he's agile, he's fast, he's scratching Captain America's shield, he's running at the speed of Bucky, which is crazy, uh, Bucky and Cap. And then, uh, obviously, when he's fighting at the end, too, that was great. But just that opening scene with him is so powerful. And immediately, I was like, oh, I cannot wait to see the Black Panther movie. So <clears throat> that part I liked. Spider-Man as well. When I saw the first trailer for Captain America Civil War and I saw Spider-Man in there, didn't know how I felt about it. I, obviously, I thought it was great. I lost my mind. I've told, I've said this before. I made a YouTube video of my reaction of like just talking about what it means to have Spider-Man back in the MCU at the time. And uh, just that scene of where he goes, hey, everyone, I, I I was a little off-put by it just because it was that weird kind of, and not as a dig to Marvel, but some of the Marvel jokes, very few in my opinion, not the same, can't say the same for my brother, but uh, very few of them don't hit right. And that was one of the ones where I was just like, is that what he would say? But then they didn't actually use that whole, hey, everyone, I don't think they actually used that in the movie. They did like a variation of it, and it worked, and I thought it was great. I, he, Tom Holland, when I saw him in that movie, I'll, I saw him in that movie, and I was like, I think he's going to be my favorite Spider-Man. And then when Homecoming came out, that solidified it. I was like, yep, he's my favorite of the three Spider-Man, and uh, by a long shot, too, because he was the most accurate of the three uh, Spider-Men to play him, so... Just that whole bit, him kind of being torn between Cap and, and Iron Man. But then it, it just it all made sense. And then to have the villain of the movie 
turn the heroes against each other for that beautiful final battle was amazing. And that's something that I don't think people appreciate enough was that this the villain in this movie never lays a hand on the Avengers. Yeah, he tries to blow up the UN building, but um, he never actually fights the Avengers. He, he lets them fight each other. Like He's probably one of the better Marvel villains of all of them because he never raises a finger and everything that he's doing makes total sense. Like He has a perfectly good reason for why he is uh, get seeking his revenge for against the Avengers, uh, the Revengers, I guess at this point. More more on that in Thor, but um, it just I don't know. He and Daniel Bruhl did such a good job of portraying that haunted man who you know there's more to his story and i know i'm excited that we're going to get to see that in the falcon and the winter soldier show for disney plus but for now in this movie just the whole mission report the fact that he's able to sneak into shield there's just so much about that movie that is it's a it's a wonder that they were able to fit as much as they did and to have it all make total and complete sense not only that but we got ant-man in this movie that was great getting to see giant man every line that ant-man had had me laughing so hard because it was very tim and eric-esque i loved the uh does anyone have any orange slices that one was great and then the one where he's like hey i know you too you're great uh, that was awesome, and uh, there was another scene that he always oh, like, oh, I thought that was a water truck when he throws that giant truck. Uh, there's one other one too, but uh, just uh, all around great movie. Like I said, that's one of my favorites. That's a, I think I gave that movie a 10. If I haven't, I should. I'm almost positive that it's a 10, but it was my number one movie for 2016, uh, which you know was, was saying a lot for sure. So that was Captain America Civil War, and so then at that point, like I said, no longer a movie pass patron so how am i gonna you know prepare for dr strange now uh, i pre-ordered my tickets like a normal person so uh, i saw that right when it came out what's funny is uh two bits on that movie so i dr strange was one of my other favorite characters if you guys remember from the the 50th anniversary uh 50 issues 50 years of comics and cinema that i did uh, i did little essays on superheroes dr strange was one of those heroes he he is one of my uh favorites because of the magic and the 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 sacrifices that he's had to make having to learn to be a humble person um, so I was a little ner- not okay. I'll, I'll say this: I wasn't super nervous about the movie. I was actually really excited about the movie for for um, one reason: Scott Derrickson. I love Sinister, the movie Sinister, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. That was just a frightening movie. Saw it in theaters. Um, I watched it this year for Halloween. I think I apologize. I just hit my mic if that was a thing, but I watched that movie for Halloween this year and it still holds up. It's so scary. And so I was really excited for Scott Derrickson writing and directing this along with John Spates and C. Robert Cargill. But um, just because I was like, that's what I wanted. I wanted a scary Dr. Strange movie, like something where it is truly wild and really scary. And so watching this movie, I would say, and I'm, I'm scanning back through these, but um, obviously, like I said, you know, I'm not a huge fan of The Incredible Hulk or Thor The Dark World, but I would honestly say Doctor Strange was probably the biggest disappointment for me in the MCU. Now, that doesn't mean it's my least favorite MCU movie. I love this movie. I, I think I gave it an 8. It's a, I think it's a great movie. But this movie has a lot of glaring issues in it, mainly... It's an origin story, and I know we talk about this a lot, and, and people have talked about this to death too, and it's just it's the fact that Marvel was clearly scared 
that if they went too wild with this, they would scare people away. And that's the wrong type of scare. And I, I get that. I really do. But all I have to say about that is, because you know this has been talked about to death, but is they better not do that again, right? That's all that. That's the only way to correct this mistake is to never do that again. You don't. You you have an, a twenty three movie um, resume right now for Marvel. You know how a superhero is born. Flashbacks are fine, obviously, but the the one part one, two, three origin story of like act one, two, and three, it just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't play anymore. It's been overplayed so many times. So watching that, I was like, oh wow, this is just this is uh this is identical to again like to any other origin story, and it, it it's fine because. Uh, it that's Doctor Strange's origin story. I mean, they didn't mess up his origin story, but just the fact that they did it was a bummer. And the movie didn't really pick kick into high gear for me until <clears throat> until he gets to Kamertage and gets transported to all those different dimensions. So that was the second movie where I got to see a early sneak peek preview of the film. And, um, that was in same thing. I got to see an IMAX 3d, like 15 minute, whatever. And it was that scene. It was the scene of him getting shot into all of the different dimensions. So of course they would play. And it's funny too. Cause I remember getting out of that. I was like, Hey, if this is what the movie is, this is going to be like my favorite Marvel movie. But it turns out, unfortunately, that's like the best part of the movie. And there's some other really cool scenes, really cool, uh, bits where, you know, he's, either in the astral plane or doing other crazy stuff. But in terms of the truly bonkers stuff, that's the best we got in that movie, which bummed me out because I was thinking that was going to be at like the low end of what we were getting. So like I said, there's some disappointment for me with that movie. But what's even crazier, and this is this is a cool part to the story, is <clears throat> with all of that, we've got all those crazy scenes. I actually got glasses for the first time the day of the movie. So I had, my vision had slowly been getting a little, uh, my vision had always been a little blurry. So like when I was driving, especially at night, uh, I couldn't see any sign, any road signs. I could see lights like street lights, um, but they were blurs. So like I knew when it was green, obviously, but I just like, it didn't look like a circle. It just looked like flash, a flash of light. Okay. I, and I still can't, when I look at it, like I can't see blue neon, um, there's a, there's a store, uh, as I'm driving home called it's like America's best or something. It's like, uh, it's either a furniture store. Or so I don't know what it is, but the whole sign is in neon blue. And so whenever I would see it, I never, no joke. Cause I never went over in that area. I never knew what the store was. I would always try, like I would squint and be like, okay, I, I feel like I can almost make it out. So that's about, and that's probably because too, in college, a lot of staring at my computer screen and then looking up and staring far away at the projector or, you know, the, the, the presentation from the teacher that's being projected back down to my laptop. So going from near, near to far multiple times is kind of what the doctor said. It was like, that was kind of, um, being, it was a little detrimental to my eyes. And so I, I was always of the mind of like, I don't ever want to have glasses. I always wanted them secretly because I always thought I looked cool in glasses, but I never actually wanted them because then I'd have to wear glasses. And so, uh, you know, after a visit, it was like, hey, you know, I think it would be beneficial for you to get glasses. And I was like, okay, all right, that's fine. So I actually had an appointment scheduled because I took the day off for Dr. Strange. I had an appointment scheduled for um, for the, the optometrist and uh, went, got my eyes checked, got a pair of glasses. Oh, okay. And so I, I did that. The, the, the eye visit was a couple of days before or something like that. And so I picked out a really cool pair of glasses 
what's well, funny too that's actually really funny so this this all that's crazy wait a minute oh, okay no wait november 4th okay so um we're gonna get to get into some more background we're diving right in so i got married october 23rd of 2016 so i got married a week or two before uh, Doctor Strange came out, which is uh, really cool. So my wife and I were newly married when we went and saw this movie. She was pumped to go see this movie. And um, what ended up happening, though, I don't think her and I went and saw it together. She she was tra- she was traveling and she was going to visit her family in Texas, and so she went and saw it with her uh, with her her cousin in Texas uh, at an Alamo Draft House. Which, you know, good for her. But <clears throat> so I had gone to the eye doctor. And, um, so they're like, okay, your glasses are going to be ready in a couple days. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I, I showed up the day of, so November 4th, 2016 is when I first started wearing glasses. Uh, but I, I showed up and, and that not to be confused with, I guess that's probably, that was right before or after the election. Cause obviously the elections, what, like the, the first or second Tuesday of November. Um, so I specifically picked out, I'm looking at them right now. I picked out a pair of Nike glasses. They're, they're black framed. Uh, and on the inside of them, it says live free, uh, because that was the slogan of Gary Johnson, who I voted for in 2016. Cause I, I, uh, I did not like either of the candidates. So I actually went and saw Gary Johnson. He came out to, uh, um, to Colorado and I went to a, uh, what is it called? I don't like calling it ra- a rally, whatever it's called. I met him, got to shake his hand. Amazing guy. I really wish he'd have won. Obviously he didn't, but, um, it felt good to vote for somebody that I actually wanted to vote for. So that was nice. So anyway, I've got my glasses. I've got these live free glasses and not kidding you. I'm not kidding. I, I'm not as, I'm not as crazy as those videos online of the people who can't see color or can't hear and put you know their their new hearing bud in or they put on their rose colored glasses or whatever it is and they immediately start crying obvious like i said i was not that impaired i just everything just was a little blurry but i put these glasses on and it was like it was like night and day it was awesome it was the one of the best days of my life and i had just gotten married like i imagine seeing a cuz i live in colorado you, you see a pine tree I just saw like a tree, a green tree basically. But when I put my glasses on, I could see every little pine, every little needle. And that because there were some outside of the the optometrist and I was just like, "Wow." And then when I was like looking at the rocks on the ground, I could see every little speck in the rocks. I could finally see the street signs and I could read people's license plates and I could see the, the and see the street lights as they went, especially at night, which again was really important to me, obviously, and to those around me. Um, but so I'm thinking to myself, I was, and that's, that's what's funny. I guess you could say I was, I didn't cry because I could see. I teared up because I was about to go see Doctor Strange, and I was like, I I just kept thinking back to that scene in the in the preview that I watched. I was like. That scene, I'm going to lose my mind when I see that scene with my glasses because who knows what that scene looked like to me beforehand. Like, I had already never, I couldn't even remember what life looked like before I had these glasses. So, uh, safe to say, that was a beautiful movie. And ever since then, all of my Marvel movie experiences have just been nothing short of phenomenal. So, uh, that that was, a, I guess, my big story for Doctor Strange. But uh, thoughts on the movie? Um, I, I, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was a really good choice. I like him a lot. 
Uh, not who my first choice was. I, I would have probably done like Joaquin Phoenix or uh, what's the guy's name? Patrick. Um, the guy who's in, he's like in Grey's Anatomy or something like that. It's like not Patrick Swayze, but um, I don't even think I, I, I've got his his face in my head. I can't I can't think of his name. But Benedict Cumberbatch was great. I really love uh, Rachel McAdams, so I'm glad she was in it. Was not a fan of the Ancient One, though I do love um, what's her name? Uh, oh man, I'm blanking on her name. But uh, here, and I'll I'll just click on the Doctor Strange thing. But uh, the Ancient One it was uh, Asian. And uh, this was, come on, where is she? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. I thought she did great. She was she was fine. Like, I, I, I didn't hate it. I just, the whole time, I'm like, this was supposed to be like a, an Asian character. And it, it could have been a female, could have been a male. I don't care. But I just, I felt like if it's in Comertage, if you're in Asia, it should be an Asian character. And so for some reason, they used Tilda Swinton. I don't know. But again, that's what we got. So I have to, I, I'm just going to live with what we got. So... Um, so that part I kind of got over, but it was still weird. And then uh, Benedict Wong was nice as Wong, but the the jokes that they had with each other, I'll I will admit, the jokes they had to me were very cringy. In the same vein as the "Hey everyone," um, specifically the Wi-Fi password joke. There's like a there's a Beyonce joke or something where he's listening to Beyonce on his his headphones in Comertage. I just, that didn't hit for me. And I'm probably hit for some of you. Great. Awesome. I'm, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying I was like, eh, okay. And, uh, so yeah, there's that part, but, uh, Mads Mikkelsen as the villain was nice, but again, he, he didn't have a lot to work with and nor Dormammu, Dormammu didn't either, but that's because it was an origin story. We got to focus on the main character. So I swear, I swear to all, uh, I swear to the ancient one, if they, if they screw up this second Doctor Strange, I'm gonna be pissed, but they're not. I, I know they're not. A movie called In the Multiverse of Madness, they're clearly not. Scott, Star- Scott Derrickson is going to go all out on this. He's gonna go Super Saiyan. I can feel it, and I believe in him. So, um, so yeah, so uh, at the end of the day, though, like I said, it's an overall enjoyable movie. I've rewatched it a ton. My wife and I love watching that movie just because the, the magic aspect of it is really cool and the, the redemption piece is cool. Though I will say there's a joke that my family has that I'm going to have to share on here in regards to this movie, which is uh, uh, they'll all, if, if we're ever really talking about Marvel, or I guess if my brother's feeling, feeling uh, squirrely, he'll go, hey, Pangborn. And uh, hey, Pangborn, because there's uh, there's that scene with Pangborn. The I don't even. I'm not even gonna go into it. Okay, just know that there there are many inside jokes that have been pulled from this film, uh, and I am grateful for what this film did, which was introduce people to a creepier, more out of this world side of the MCU that I know we're gonna be diving more into as these movies go on. So. Next up is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. This came out in May of 2017, so a year after Captain America Civil War. So this is when, 2017 is when three movies a year started, which was really cool. I loved that. I liked that you had a movie to kick off the summer, you had a movie in the heat of the summer, and then you had a movie in the fall or the winter. It was just the perfect combination. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2... Uh, funny enough, I don't remember opening night going to see this movie. I do, however, remember going to see this movie with my dad, which was on the following weekend. Him and I went and saw it in IMAX 3D, 
and it was awesome. It was really good. I got his ticket. I that was I think the first actual 3D movie that I went and saw was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So that was really special. He really liked it and uh and it was a good time. So that that's a written and directed by James Gunn as well. As a as a follow-up to um to Guardians of the Galaxy, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. There's a ton of really beautifully done scenes in here the entire first scene the whole intro the uh the the, man the thing where nebula is is chasing uh gamora in the grass uh, on ego's planet that was phenomenal that just so beautiful everything in space the space jumping was hilarious the fact that stan lee was the watcher in this was great uh, but there was just something about this movie that didn't, it, and again, didn't sit wrong with me. I think I gave this movie an 8 out of 10, but I definitely liked the first Guardians better than this one. But again, on a beauty scale, this there's this was the first 4K um, movie that I got. So, and as well, I don't think I mentioned it in the other ones, but I have, I have every single Marvel movie in uh, 4K Steelbook. Uh, and that's including, technically, I don't have the 4K of Incredible Hulk, and that's just because I don't think I want to get the 4K of it, but I do have the Steelbook of it. So I've got Steelbooks for all of them, but that was the first Steelbook that I bought that was actually a 4K Steelbook, was the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 one. So when I watched that on 4K, I was like, oh, wow, like, the the golds were even more gold, the blacks were even blacker, like, this, it was just such a beautiful movie to watch in that regard. And then the, the, listening to the audio commentaries gave me a lot more appreciation for the films as well. The fact that, I mean, and I, I guess I just missed it, but it was like the first movie is about Star-Lord's mom. The second movie is about Star-Lord's dad. So that was a really cool back and forth. And I loved Kurt Russell. I thought he did a great job. The whole reveal of him kind of trying to impregnate everybody in the galaxy was really powerful and really messed up. I was like, wow, they, they that's, re-. but <clears throat> there's, uh, here's the problems that I had with this movie. Um, I did not like what they did with Drax in this movie. They turned him into a punching bag. And some of the jokes were funny, but there were also bits that were absolutely not funny at all. There's a scene where Star-Lord and Drax and Mantis and I think Gamora are all in there. And when he's like, she's like, oh, you know, you you have like sexual thoughts about her. And um, he's like, ha 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 ha. Oh, you should see the look on your face. Like, ah. that scene uh he just told your deepest darkest secret that was so i don't know to me was not funny that was really cringy uh i was like why are they making him and he, like he's not i don't know if they they are f- get catching on to this because you you'll notice it too when you watch like uh the uh the casting the mcu special features i think both the one that's on avengers endgame and the one on disney plus uh sarah finn talks about that, um, what was it, that Black Panther, uh, Chadwick Boseman, originally, uh, like, auditioned to be Drax, and she was like, that was not, he was being way too kingly Drax, and that was not what we were trying to go for, I'm like, well, what were you trying to go for then, like, slapstick, you're trying to make him, like, Buster Keaton, because, um, I mean, but again, there were some ones that really hit well, like him getting into the pod, And this is what I mean by hitting well and why they could make this so great is Drax is the Buster Keaton of this team. He's the Buster Keaton of the MCU right now. He is funny when he's doing stuff seriously in a funny way. 
It's not when he's making dumb jokes that are too literal for everyone. It's when he's go goes back and like puts just a helmet on, grabs a gun, and jumps out of the ship and is just mowing down people in space while he's laughing. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was really funny, but also super badass. And same with like when he there's a couple of other scenes where he um, he said some stuff and did some stuff, but uh, for the most part, it just seems like they're really relegating him to being slapstick comedy, which can go well sometimes, but when they're making him seem really dumb versus him being really literal, uh, that's that's where I, I kind of draw the line, and I think that's an issue. But Rocket was phenomenal in this issue. I have no complaints on him. They upped the ante on Rocket, and I, I'm really glad for that. They gave him his own little storyline of realizing that his whole family was here with him the whole time. The whole scene of him running around and destroying Yondu's whole team was incredibly awesome, both in 4K and in theaters. Uh, just the you know explosions and all that. But here here comes the next problem. I didn't like Baby Groot. I, he was, look, I get it. He was cute. Uh, there's no denying that they specifically made him to be cute. But to me, I just the, I don't know. I mean, I get James Gunn wanting to have this whole, the old Groot is dead. This new Groot ages like this. That's not really how it goes in the comics. In the comics, he kind of grows back pretty quickly. And, and, and that's really it. But then the whole like, oh, it's teen Groot. That's great. So then I'm, I'm curious what's going to happen in Guardians 3 because I hope he's an adult again. Like I just, I don't know. There's, there was nothing really that funny with him. Like, oh, look at him. He's trying to plug in the music machine. Oh, he, they told him not to press this button and he's thinking about pressing it. Oh, what a little stinker. Look, if that was Baby Yoda, we'd be having a completely different story. But just the fact that, I don't know, for me, it felt like such a clear, we're trying to make uh, trying to get a toy line out. We're trying to get people to be obsessed with this. Whereas with Baby Yoda, it just seemed like, oh, okay, this is this is you know what they were trying to do for the story. So, um, but again, like I said, I don't hate Baby Groot. I just I I'm glad that there is no longer a Baby Groot. Is is what I'll say on that. And then the whole Gamora Nebula situation was fantastic. The whole Gamora and Star Lord situation was fantastic as well. I loved them furthering the relationship. I'm really excited to see where that goes in in the the third movie because of what happened in Avengers Endgame. So there's just there's a lot of really great... And, and then maybe that's what I'll say. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a phenomenal character movie. It's the, the character development in this, the, the fact that the turning them into family and uh, being a really tight-knit family was really special. And I could tell that James Gunn was pouring his heart into that. And the soundtrack wasn't bad either. I mean, the soundtrack on both of these was phenomenal. But the the I liked the first movie soundtrack better, but that's just because I knew more of the songs there. And a lot of the songs on the second one have now become some of my faves. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, from first glance. Now, as well, I don't, I don't cry too much in these movies. I'm trying to think if any of these... I actually did cry, but I think the first one that I did cry in was, oh yeah, maybe Guardians when Groot dies, but definitely in this movie when Yondu dies. But no, not when he dies, during the funeral at the end, the Ravager funeral was is breathtaking, and it was really beautiful to see the relationship that Yondu and Rocket kind of had throughout this. That whole escape scene that they did was just so cool. And his little arrows zipping around everywhere. But that brings me to another thing I didn't like, which was Taserface. I did not like Taserface at all. I thought that was incredibly cringy too. I am Taserface. And then everyone kind of has that uncomfortable pause of, really, that's your name? And it's like, I don't know. You could just clearly, during those scenes, 
I, those took me out of the movie, and I was like, oh, these are actors acting, and then when Rocket started talking, I was like, oh, right, we're in the Guardians movie. How is that not sad that actual humans dressed in that much makeup made to, saying, because of the way that they acted, took me out of the movie versus a CGI raccoon who brought me back into the movie. So, you know, props there, but also yikes. And, and Sean Gunn upped his game as well, but he had a couple of moments too. I, his whole character, and I guess that's part of what he's doing, but just the whole, Captain's got to te- is going to teach something. You're going to learn something or whatever it is. Captain's going to teach stuff. That was from the first movie, but still, that line didn't land with me either. It's just, I, there's certain lines to me that when I hear them that way, they remind me of the way people acted when I was in high school and I just didn't find it funny when those kids in high school were doing it, and I, even less now because I'm an adult and these people are adults and they're acting like high school kids. So, um, that's those those are my thoughts on that. But again, like I said, I love that movie. The whole that line, I, I laughed so hard every single time I've laughed when he uh, ta- when Rocket takes the batteries in the beginning and he looks over at Jax, he says, you "Want some batteries?" Like, oh, that was just such a funny line. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, I loved. Uh, I really loved Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I thought I thought it uh, carried over well from Guardians of the Galaxy One, but it certainly did not reach the heights that Guardians One did. And, and you know, it's not gonna because that was the Guardians of the Galaxy was a novel thing at that time. So next up, Spider-Man: Homecoming, July seventh, twenty seventeen. That that was uh, a big deal, and it was written by a lot of people. It says Jonathan Goldstein, John Francis Daly, John Watts. Christopher Ford, Chris McKenna, and Eric Summers. Whew, a lot of cooks. But uh, it paid off because that movie was great and it became my favorite Spider-Man movie. Uh, and that's just low standards in my eyes. I I was obsessed with the other Spider-Man movies, especially the Tobey Maguire ones, but I was only obsessed with them because that's all I had. And then when Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies came out, I realized I realized, you know, Spider-Man movies could also be bad, but I kind of got that during Spider-Man 3, even though I sort of liked Spider-Man 3, but once this movie came out, I was like, oh, thank God, now we have a really good Spider-Man movie, so awesome, so at that point, that solidified Tom Holland as as my favorite Spider-Man, and Homecoming as my, uh, you know, I may... I may backtrack that and say maybe I didn't like it as much as like Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2, but parts of me say that I did just because this was the only one where we we got a truly high school movie with Peter Parker. And not only that, but we got to see the fallout of Tony Stark. We got to see some um, some of Tony Stark, which was the first time I think. Besides, Cap- I mean, there's other ones, but like that was a true, in my eyes, cameo appearance of like we kind of expected it in Civil War because that's the whole premise. But we knew it was coming in Homecoming as well. But never has another Marvel hero been in a Spider-Man movie because that's a Sony movie. So that that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Uh, the Vulture was great. And I loved that they didn't use his actual costume. I like that they kind of went into a new direction. But more so than that, oh man, the scene when Spider-Man goes to pick up Liz for the dance and he opens the door and it's the vulture. Oh man, my jaw dropped. My heart stopped. And that scene, and I had to see it multiple times. And actually, shout out to uh, some of uh, some of the good people on the Marvel Studios News Discord. We had a Spider-Man Far From Home uh, prepping for Spider-Man Far From Home, a Spider-Man Homecoming watch party. And someone was like, yeah, explaining that scene where when they're driving in their car, when he's driving them to the dance, and when when he realizes that he's Spider-Man, 
And the minute that he realizes that he's Spider-Man, his eyes kind of light up. But at the same time, the light turns green. And it's almost like a ding. And I just thought that was brilliant filmmaking. Like that was, couldn't have been better. I'm getting chills just talking about it. That alone made it a phenomenal Spider-Man movie. But you add in the opening scene, the hey, oh, let's go that that whole you know him just kind of being the friendly neighborhood spider-man was was phenomenal so was uh the end battle it wasn't fantastic i hate the whole part when they're on the plane because of the reflecting uh totally you know it seems like all cgi but once he's down on the on the the beach that whole fight was great and then the fight when he has to get himself out from under the rubble i cried during that part and that wasn't even like a sad cry that was like a holy crap this is insane come on spider-man come come on spider-man that scene just that to me that was the moment that i was like tom holland is spider-man hands down tom holland is spider-man and uh, that just meant so much to me to get to see that comic uh, from the comics play out in there. The fact that Aunt May was in this movie was great. I like that they have a young Aunt May. And I enjoyed uh, his buddy. Um, what's his name? Was uh, It's Gonk, technically, from the comics from, from Miles Morales' Spider-Man. is Gonk, but he goes by a different name. It's not Nate. I feel like it's an, it starts with an N, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click on this right now and... Uh, I'm gonna kick myself when I see it, but come on, come on! It doesn't even have him as the—he's not even listed in Wikipedia under the people who are here. Marissa Tomei is. Additionally, wait, no, no, no. Where's his? Come on, Ned, Ned. Thank you, Ned, Ned, Ned. Uh, it says Marvel used Ned Leeds as a basic for the character, which is weird. Whatever, I don't care about that. But yeah, it says it's most you notably Gonk or Gonke. I don't know how how you want to pronounce it, but I like Ned. I thought he was cool. Um, he does a. I like Ned a lot better in Far From Home than I liked him in this. But I did appreciate that he finds out that he's Spider Man right away. I thought that was great. And and then yes, Mary Jane was phenomenal. Or or MJ, she was great. Uh, Zendaya is just a, a wonderful actor actor, and she killed it in this one. Killed it even harder in Far From Home. That's what I think I like so much about the Spider Man series. Is Far From Home in my eyes improved on almost everything from uh homecoming not that it needed to be improved upon it's like marvel has this thing where they just constantly are trying to make things better for the sake of making them better not because the prior film was bad just because they're trying to push themselves into new directions and that to me is just is that's awesome i think that's really great and, and it's something that they should be able to celebrate because homecoming truly felt like spider-man coming home even though we still don't have spider-man back it was a great start, and I think a great a great direction for him. Uh, I'm trying to. Oh, how about Childish Gambino? I thought he was great in there. Donald Glover, I guess you could say, playing Miles Morales's uncle. So hopefully Miles comes in, and and I'm gonna we'll talk about it, uh, it during next episodes Far From Home. But I just some thoughts that I have on where they can go in these sequels. I'm actually I think I might just use the all of the sequels as a future, you know, another one of these podcasts. But yeah, so that's Spider-Man Homecoming. Like I said, there's an not much. There was never like a there's no background of anything that I was doing at the time. I know that came out right around the same time as the Denver Comic Con had ended. And that was twenty seventeen. So so 2018 20, yeah i didn't i didn't really do anything that time i think i just went to the comic con and there's nothing crazy or special about that movie other than me really liking it so um so that's spider-man homecoming 
And last, but certainly, certainly not least, is Thor Ragnarok. That's by Taika Waititi and uh, written by Eric Pearson and Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost. They're actually the ones who wrote New X-Men, or, or Young X-Men, I think. It was one of the two. Was, um, you, you can look it up and you'll find it, though. They're, they've written some X-Men comics. But Thor Ragnarok changed the way that I looked at these Marvel movies. So Thor Ragnarok is the message that Marvel is ready and willing to take their characters into new and exciting directions. And after seeing that movie, uh, my life was changed forever because of it. So that, and it actually has a ton of, of really special stuff in regards to that movie. So this is an even better and more accurate because it's from, you know, two years ago, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I went and saw that with my dad opening night uh, because we were going down. If you see, it came out November 3rd, which is very close to opening day of hunting. So we drove, and, and so I, t- I told him, so that was coming out on a Friday, and um, opening night or opening day would have been on Saturday, that Saturday. And so I was like, hey, um, Thor comes out this weekend, but yeah, I really want to go hunting with you. Do you think we can do it? Do you think we can pull it off? And like I said, my dad's a lot like me in that regard, or I guess I'm a lot like him in terms of, yeah, he's like, we can do that. Like, let's let's make a plan. So I'm looking up show times, and I was like, okay, I think um, we, so we basically, we picked a 10 o'clock show time on Friday, and, uh, or it may have been on Thursday. I think it was on Thursday night, and I, I, take, I took Thursday and Friday off of work. So, yeah, it was Thursday. Um, so we leave, and we drove to Texas, and we drove all the way to, uh, this would have been in Amarillo, Texas. And we got to Amarillo, checked into our hotel for the night. We were just going to stay there one night to drive down to the deer lease the next day. Uh, and the, the movie theater is literally right next to the hotel like we got out of the hotel room and walked right across the street to the movie theater so we in amarillo texas got to see thor ragnarok with my dad opening night and it was amazing that like i said that that's in my top five that was my number two maybe movie of 2017 uh behind blade runner i think but oh man, it just everything about that movie is perfect. I don't think there's a single thing that I don't like about that movie. Every single bit of comedy landed. I thought everything was funny. Uh, all of the new characters are great. Hela is one of my favorite Thor villains because of her headdress and her attitude. And Kate Blanchett absolutely embodied that. The whole scene where she's having to fight all of the all of Asgard basically was just just monumental. And then the the uh, the play with uh, Matt Damon was just such a nice surprise. Thor getting his head shaved and his hammer taken away. All of that was so powerful. We get to see Doctor Strange and the Hulk and Loki in this movie. Are you kidding me? Plus, we get to see Beta Ray Bill's head in Sakaar. Also, Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. We get a it's a small <clears throat> excuse me, it's a small world ride. You gotta be kidding me. Like there's Find me someone who doesn't like Thor Ragnarok, and I won't tell them they're wrong, but I, I'm going to a- ask them why they think that, because this movie hits all the right beats when it comes to comedy, reinventing the character. This br- breathed new life into Thor. After Iron Man 3, I was like, I'm good. I'm good on Iron Man. I don't need any more Iron Man. After Captain America Civil War, I was like, I want more 
Captain America. Like I just because I love I love Chris Evans and I love the direction they're going. But after Thor: The Dark World, I was like, I'm good on Thor. Like I, we've gotten two Thor movies. I, I know his I, I know his bit, but we got to get a third movie. Okay. So then when I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, oh, okay, this is uh, gonna be a really amazing movie. And so when I saw this, I was like, I need another trilogy of Thor, please. And so not only did we get that in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. But it just, oh man, they all praise goes to Taika Waititi and also to Chris Hemsworth for being brave enough to make those decisions, to make those changes, and to be wacky and wild. The music is crazy. There's a scene where, in the beginning, where he's fighting that dragon, and oh, I just, I mean, there's not a single scene in there that you couldn't talk about it and start laughing or going, you. Every scene in this movie, you're either going, wow, that was kind of scary holy crap that was hilarious or holy crap that was awesome like that was badass like that scene the scene where yeah he's like chased the dragon and him are flying side by side during like the sunset outside and then uh, the bifrost saves him and then the scene where you know, obviously when his hammer gets destroyed but when he just comes down and and when the the music just busts down and he electrocutes everyone when he's fighting hella and uh, the uh, after credit scene two leads right into Infinity War, so it's the perfect movie to watch right before Avengers: Infinity War. There's just not there's there's not enough time in the world to talk about Thor Ragnarok, but we've got a couple more minutes, so I'll, I'll talk about a couple of the other really cool things uh, in regards to this movie. So I. I I think I saw it once or twice more in theaters. That movie plays really well in 4K. So if you, you know, if you're questioning, obviously all of these movies look really good in 4K, but Thor looks especially good in 4K. Um, that's a 10 out of 10 for me, and that's that's just where this movie, this is where things went in the right direction for me, Marvel wise. So like I said, we had gotten some hits with Captain America Civil War, and then we kind of got some not necessarily missteps, but just lower level for me with Doctor Strange, Guardians, Spider-Man. Again, not bad movies at all, but not the level of Thor Ragnarok. But you'll see once we start discussing in this next episode, uh, once that one comes out, these next movies all just keep building on that. Oh, let's make this different. Let's make this new. Let's try this out. You got Black Panther. You got Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just can't wait to talk about these movies because they all push Marvel into so many different directions where there are so many possibilities now for these characters. And uh, I personally think that's all because of Thor Ragnarok, that that movie performed so well that Marvel was like, oh, okay, so people, they have an appetite for this. They want to see these types of movies. Let's give it to them. Let's give them the crazy. Let's give them the wild. And that's why we're getting movies like Thor Love and Thunder and uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, though I'm seeing in here too, Taika Waititi is screenwriting Thor and Love and Thunder, and it does not look like he did that for Ragnarok. So that is super exciting, because that means this movie is going to be even crazier than Ragnarok. So sign me up. I can't wait. That's coming out in two years. Uh, can't come fast enough. Just kidding. Uh, take your time. You know, we got all the time in the world. But that is part one of phase three of the infinity saga and me part three of comics and cinema. <laughs> uh no that long way of saying thank you guys so much for listening uh i hope you enjoyed hearing hearing my thoughts on these films 
and uh, it was nice to kind of talk about these because especially like Thor Ragnarok, they're just really special times that I got to share. Every every Marvel movie I've been able to share and watch with those that I love, and uh, that makes them really, really special. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy watching these movies. Thank you.